0: tell me about yourself. You know, that question you get asked at pretty much every interview that you go to or every networking event that you're always prepared for. Well, I am here to argue that we are not taking full advantage of answering this question. And we usually see this question as an opportunity to sell ourselves, to demonstrate our leadership abilities, and to talk about the projects we've worked on and who we've worked with. But I think we're doing a very poor job at using this uh, this time with that other person to connect and actually build a, a strong, influential connection that can actually get you results in your career. And how do you do that? Well, when you get asked that question, instead of using the, that time to sell yourself, try to focus on building a connection and, and not just any connection, but try to make it an unrelated connection to whatever field you're in. So whether you're in pharmacy or whether you're in finance, Try to connect on something other than your industry with that person uh, to really try to stick out in their mind and to and to build that connection and eventually build a relationship. Because some of these people are either have the ability of giving you a life changing opportunity for your career or may know someone else uh, that can uh, provide you that opportunity. So I think people really need to start thinking about how they can take better advantage of this question and start building a connection with someone instead of just trying to sell themselves. So how do you do that? I'm not saying that you need to, you know, rethink and restructure your entire uh, elevator speech. But I will say that after you do your normal elevator speech, make sure to finish off at the end with a random uh, fact or random hobby about yourself. Um, Again, that's unrelated. And um, for example, for me, every time I end my elevator pitch, I basically tell them how, you know, and for the last 10 years, I, I go to I visit a different mountain in the U.S. and go snowboarding. And what usually happens with this is, uh, one, either that person has also been snowboarding before or skiing before, and we can connect that way and talk about, you know, our experiences or they have never gone before, but they know someone that has, or have always wanted to. And then you can further talk about, you know, give your advice, maybe on, on some tips and tricks on how to get started. So, um, that's just an example of how I usually connect at the end of mine. So I hope you are thinking about how you can connect at the end of yours And hopefully you can start building better relationships and and better utilize that question uh, to get results for your career. (coughs) So I wanted to make a comparison for the average uh, person in pharmacy or even healthcare in general uh, to understand about what Bitcoin actually is and how it relates to uh, something called altcoins. Now uh, think of this analogy. Uh, Bitcoin is like propanolol as blockchain is to beta blockers. Just like Propanolol is one of the first beta blockers. Bitcoin is one of the first coins to ever be used uh, using the technology or currency to ever be used using the technology blockchain. Now, the real reason uh, for this briefing, though, is to talk about uh, the new altcoins that are starting to come out. Now, I'm sure you've been hearing a ton about bitcoins and and crypto technologies and, and cryptocurrencies and things like that. But I wanted to uh, kind of make a comparison as to what these altcoins are and why they're coming out. So just as how, you know, even though we've already had one beta blocker on the market, such as propranolol, we still had to come out with, you know, a bunch of other beta blockers because they've had uh, different characteristics for them whether it's because it had intrinsic value or whether because it was beta one selective or not it's just the same as how these altcoins are coming out now the altcoins are coming out because they're they're using the technology of blockchain just a little bit differently they might have different characteristics uh, whether that be lower transaction fees or quicker transaction times uh, or maybe it's safer or maybe it's more private Uh, there's a bunch of different characteristics that some of these altcoins have and it's why and it's why they're coming out basically because Bitcoin was kind of like the first of it all, but there's a bunch of different variations that can occur, uh, which is why some of these altcoins are being developed. But one key difference of the analogy here is we have the FDA medications have the FDA to regulate what type of drugs come out in a drug class, um, which prevents like me too drugs from coming out. So when a new drug comes to market, it's because it has some different characteristic. If it's just a me too drug, though, likely the FDA um, would hopefully block it. However, um, that's in contrast to the current uh, blockchain and and crypto world where there's no no regulator that's stopping the creation of certain coins. So there are a lot of coins being made and and coming to market that are essentially me too coins and don't really have a lot of differences in value. Uh, But there are some coins that are coming out that do have, you know, really different underlying technologies and different characteristics that can uh, make them more valuable in in relation to or or just make them valuable in the market maybe not necessarily more valuable than bitcoin but just make something that is valuable instead of just using bitcoin so hopefully this was uh something helpful in in making a comparison as to uh bitcoin and and altcoins to something that's relatable to us So if you haven't heard by now, 63 Sam's clubs are, are going to be closing. And that's because Walmart did a thorough review of their existing portfolio. And this is a quote, we've decided to close a series of clubs that and better align our locations with our strategy. It's always terrible news. Uh, anytime that there's, a, you know, anytime anyone loses their job, it's terrible news. But um, it really hits home when it has to do with pharmacies. And assuming those 63 Sam's club had two pharmacies in there and one, at least one, uh, you know, a uh, pharmacy technician employed, that's about 190 pharmacy employees that were affected by, uh, by this closing. And what really sucks about it is that it was abrupt. Uh, you know, this wasn't anything that anyone was, was prepared for. Some people showed up to work uh, to see uh, either a sign or, or an email or a memo to say that, that it was closed. And, uh, you know, it's terrible news. And I, I just really want to emphasize, you know, the fact that they talked about their strategy and aligning better with their strategy by closing these stores. This is going to become commonplace. This is going to be something that's going to happen more and more often. Um, we're really just in the beginning of this, but a lot more stores, especially the brick and mortars, they're starting to realize that they need a more online presence, then they need more distribution centers, not more pharmacies open and not more retail stores open. So I really want you to understand that because this is the beginning, you need to start taking action and, and realize that you can't rely on some of these corporations for you, uh, for your well-being, for your family's well-being. You need to start looking at uh, ways to improve your skills, whether it be uh, clinically or improve your skills, whether it be about building your brand or reputation, or whether it be uh, building your skills in something that you're completely, you know, something else that you're completely passionate about, even though it has nothing to do with healthcare. Start, you know, focusing on something uh, that's more than what you're currently doing uh, to try to set yourself up to be irreplaceable in society, whether it be in healthcare. Or whether it being whatever it is else that you're you're passionate about. Now, if you are, you know, passionate about pharmacy, then you know, we really need to start figuring out how we're going to continue to evolve our role as a community pharmacist and uh start realizing that we need to start making ourselves irreplaceable and and know that the community pharmacy is the community pharmacist is always going to be needed in society. We just need to figure out how we're going to create that role to survive in in what the current landscape is looking like you may not realize it yet but there's actually a lot of people especially over the age of 50 even over the age of 70 that are using youtube and as healthcare providers we don't always have the time uh or sometimes even maybe even the knowledge you know to educate someone on something whether it be on a how to use a specific device or how to use a specific inhaler etc so i implore you guys to start asking your patients if they're using YouTube, because what they may not know is they might be able to YouTube how to use their Brio inhaler. Or if they're about to start using a neti pot, instead of sitting there and showing them how to do it, you can just say, hey, there's a great video on YouTube that you can look at. Now, obviously, this isn't like the, the ideal way to show someone how to use something, especially if you're you know at the pharmacy or a healthcare professional. But Sometimes, you know, you just don't have the time to sit there and, and go over that. Or it could be something extremely complicated or a device you've never even seen or heard of that they're asking you about. Let them know that they can go on YouTube and they might be able to find some great stuff. And, you know, it could be a little counterintuitive because they might be looking to you as a professional to provide that information. But sometimes it's better to guide them that way than to, you know, say that you don't know or rush, you know, rush through it because you you feel pressured because you have to go, you know, do something else in the pharmacy. So. So start telling your patients, you know, if you don't have the ability to or you don't have the resources to provide certain things, let them know that, hey, go on YouTube, you know, learn something. If you have further questions after looking at the YouTube video, then you can reach out to me. And I think it's a tool that is underutilized and and we should really start uh, learning how to, you know, talk to our patients more about how to use uh, YouTube and other online resources. So the CDC has released a lot of uh, new information about the 2018 or the 2017 2018 flu season, and they have a lot of great updates, and uh, they have a lot of warnings out there. Also, now a lot of headlines are throwing people into panic because the numbers of the update do show that there is considered to be an epidemic of the influenza uh, of influenza infections. But it's the titles are really clickbaity because while there is an increase uh, prevalence of the influenza, most numbers uh, every year do end up being at epidemic levels. So I do think a lot of people are being a little bit more scared than normal. However, some of the vac- some of the information that did come out about uh, this year is that they're seeing a lot of the same strands from last year where the, the current vaccine was not effective for. So they're expecting about a 30% effectiveness, um, which was similar to last year's influenza vaccine. So a lot of people are going to, a lot of patients are going to be coming in and talking to your pharmacy is saying that, you know, why, why should they even get the vaccine because it's not that effective. Um, while at the same time, a lot of people are going to be coming in pretty scared because they're seeing all these people. Either They're seeing all these headlines saying that there's an epidemic and things like that. So uh, either way, still encourage people to get the vaccines. Uh, while at the same time, because of this lowered effectiveness, still encourage people uh, to know what the signs and symptoms are. Uh, you know, if they do have the flu to try to prevent spreading it. And also to make sure they're practicing like good, you know, hygiene techniques and hand washing techniques and all that good stuff. Today, I wanted to talk about having an influence on your patients. I'm sure you've already heard the term motivational interviewing. It's tips and tricks and methods used to get people to change their behaviors, to be bought into uh, their own health, and taking action on their own health. However, I think we as healthcare professionals need to take things a step further. While I do think motivational interviewing is extremely important in uh, influencing behaviors of our patients, I think we need to start actually connecting with our patients. I recently spoke on the importance of building relationships with other healthcare professionals, you know, to um, for bettering healthcare and for advancing your career. But I think that this thinking also needs to be applied to our patients as well. And um, how do we do that? Well, if you... Depending on your patient, I think, and yourself, I think you should start asking questions about their day, asking questions about their weekend, trying to see what their hobbies are, trying to see what their passions are in. I think when we start talking to our patients and we have conversations with them, I think we really need to find a way to connect with them um, on something not relating to to the care that we're providing. For example, if you notice that someone's wearing a particular uh, sports fan's jersey and you yourself like sports or even like that particular type of sport, I think you should try to connect with them um, on that in that way. I have some patients that pay with a uh, with a Disney credit card, and it's just a way that I can connect with them because um, I frequently go to Disney, and we now have something that we can talk about uh, beyond you know the care that I'm providing, and have that connection that way. So uh, look for the subtle things that you can possibly connect on with your patients because it really could uh, have a serious impact on them having trust in you and and them being more accountable to you, or just being able to get them more bought into taking care of their health. Amazon. Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan Chase have teamed up to create a healthcare company, an independent healthcare company for their employees. And reading through the news of this, something that really stuck out to me was that this company would be free from profit-making incentives and constraints. And that is going to be so disruptive to everything that we do right now in healthcare uh, if this scales beyond these companies, because everything is driven by that. Most of the decisions made in healthcare right now are dis- are decided, are made by profit-making incentives and constraints. And when you, th- when you think this way, when you have huge companies operating this way, it's going to be so disruptive. What it reminds me of is no one ever thought that Amazon was going to be closing down bookstores or ruining the bookstore business. Um, and I think that we're in a moment of time that there are going to be things that are going to be happening in healthcare that we would have no idea would have happened because uh, Amazon came into the picture and totally disrupted it. I don't know about you, but I'm actually pretty excited about it. I think it's going to present a lot of opportunities for pharmacies to thrive in. I think it's going to give us a lot of. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of new positions and different positions out there in healthcare because of this. We just have we have no idea what it's going to look like, but. I just hope that pharmacists put themselves right now in a position to be ready for this type of change. Um I think it's going to be important to continue to build your personal brand, uh, build the skills that you have, understand what you're strong at and um you know hone in on those skills and be ready for this, you know, new type of uh healthcare landscape. If you've been tuning in to uh, the content that I put out here on RX Radio, you might realize that I speak a lot about building personal brand, and I talk about how important I think it is, especially for the you know upcoming changes in healthcare and uh, what the landscape is going to be like in in the years to come. There was a book that just came out. It's called Crushing It, and I really, really, really highly recommend that if you um, are listening to what I, to like my advice and taking to heart the things that I say about how important it is to build your personal brand. I really think that you should consider uh, buying this book because it really does a good job at laying out exactly how to do this um, on the current social media landscape. Um, It is by a social media expert, Gary Vaynerchuk. He currently runs a $150 million uh, social media marketing agency and is super successful and Uh, He is truly an expert in the space and has all basically like everything that he truly believes also is in this book. And uh, again, I really highly recommend it if you can get your hands on it and uh, let's let's all start crushing it together. Hey, guys, really hope you enjoyed that recap of the Alexa briefings. If you have an Alexa, make sure to add us in your Alexa flash briefing. You can literally just ask Alexa to add rx radio to your flash briefing and it'll automatically download it or you can search on the alexa skill store just search rx radio or you can search pharmacy and it'll pop up uh, on the first page also in the store you can give us a rating we'd really appreciate your feedback we'd like to know what you think about it flash briefings are fairly new so any feedback on how to make this better is going to be greatly appreciated and until next time see you over the counter